I'm uh, super excited to be able to start this series this month uh, because as we go into different seasons, you know, people are always asking, like, what is this season we're in, right? And sometimes you even say, like, this is the end. This is the end of um, uh, the end times that we're living in. You know, some people think, like, uh, just have questions about that, right? As we go into this pandemic season, uh, we've been in for a while. And uh, just as we see the world changing all around us, people are always curious, saying, what it, where exactly are we in the, in the span of, of time, right? Here's what I love about the Bible, just so you know. So the Bible is a, it's not just a book. It's a, it's a book of books that God used many authors to tell one single story. And about a third of all the scripture is actually prophecy. It's talking about something, some future occurrence. Um, and it's, it's reliable. Like, so what they said was going to happen, it, it has happened. And then uh, there's future prophecies about what's going to take place. And so this series, we're going to talk about that. What time is it? And uh, how can we know what time we're living in uh, once we've been prepared so we can also have confidence and courage and strength of whatever season we find ourselves in, knowing that God's going to lead us into the season he has for us and that we just be aware of it. And so I want to just show you the scripture we're going to use for this whole series. It's going to kind of be the, 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 kind of the anchor verse that we'll use. It's found in First Chronicles 12:32, and this is what it says about some men that these guys were known as men of Issachar, right? And it said that they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So there was a group of men uh, who knew and understood the times they were in, and whenever there was questions, they always knew what they should do. They understood the times, and they knew what they should do in those moments. And so this series, really I want to talk about that. If we'll understand the time we're in, we'll be able to understand what to do during this time during the season. So this series is not to make anybody fearful or scared. Um, uh, one of the things as you wait for, for uh, um, what, the, what is going to unfold in the future, we shouldn't stay idle, right, and just be waiting for something to happen. We should be proactive. We should be doing the best we can with the time that we have, really to honor God. And so uh, uh, this is what Jesus said about, about the end times and really about his return, okay? He said this in Matthew twenty four thirty six. He said this, but about that day, that day is referring to when he's returning, he says, an hour, um, or that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. So he's saying when it comes to the future, when it comes to me, my return, right, he's saying nobody knows, not even I know. So he's saying, but only the Father. So you can imagine Jesus, who's up in heaven right now, sitting next to the Father. He's our intermediate, right? So he's, a, he's an intercessor for us. He's talking to God on our behalf. He's praying for us. He's encouraging, you know, uh, the, the, whole, the whole time, just wanting us to be successful. I can imagine him kind of looking at the seasons, looking at what's going on around the world, how things are changing, kind of one, one eye on the, on the world, one eye on the Father, like, is it time now? Should I go back now? And, you know, it's, 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 getting, it's getting close. And, uh, and, but here's what he says, that the day and the hour is unknown. Nobody knows. And so back in 1988, there was a book that came out that sold a lot of copies. It said 88 Reasons Why Jesus Didn't Come Back in 1988. Well, 1988 came and it went, and Jesus didn't come back, right? And throughout history, there's always been people saying, hey, this is the date, this is what's going to happen. But even Jesus said, guys, when that happens, like, don't, don't jump into it being fearful and afraid or whatever, because nobody knows. Um, it's going to come when, when, we're, when, when it's unexpected. It's going to come. Um, but he also said that but there will be signs, and there will be seasons that we can know that the, the end is really close. And when my return is going to come back, it's going to be very close. And so... This series, we're going to talk about that. But here's what you understand. Um, there, there are some doctrines and beliefs that we hold to, and, mo- and most Christians hold to these. This is kind of what keeps us as believers centered and, and grounded in, in, in Scripture, is we hold us to some, some specific truths, right, and some specific dro- doctrines. And one of those doctrines is the second coming of Jesus, uh, which is a really exciting thing to think about, right, that he's going to come back. Especially, I don't know about you, as you watch um, the news, as you watch the world, just how things are going, uh, would, would you agree that we're not going in a good direction, right? The trajectory of our world is, is, 
broken and fragmented. The direction of our country is broken and divided and fragmented. As we look at all this, um, like I was looking at some of the, the different uh, protests and the different things that take place, you know, people um, just minimizing human life and minimizing the opposite uh, person's view. And uh, it's just not a good direction we're going, right? And so you see all these things, and um, one of the things that we can, we can be certain of that, that, that the world, he, the, he said, the just did say the world is going is to get a darker. And there will be a moment in history where God will have to step in and rescue his people um, from the coming judgment. And so uh, we believe that Jesus is coming again, right? It's the second coming of Jesus, that one day Jesus will return. Um, and here's the truth. People say, well, is that time soon? You know, uh, is, it, is, it, is it coming like tomorrow? Yes, it's tomorrow, guys, all right? Um, there's, <laughs> well, it will be tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be one day, right? We'll wake up 10 years from now and tomorrow, 10 years will be tomorrow. And so, yes, he's going to come, and, but we don't know the time. And if I was to say, give you a, a specific date, you shouldn't listen to me because I have no idea when it's going to happen. But there are signs, and this whole series, we're going to talk about those. There's a lot of interesting things in scriptures that the Bible points to and says, hey, when you see these things, pay attention, because it means that the time is really close, and you should be prepared and ready. And so when it comes to the, the end times, um, I'm excited about this series, because we're going to talk about that. What does this look like? Uh, what is it going to be like? And, and how can we uh, do the best that we can with the time that we have? Because here's what I know. When, when it comes to life, the end of our life, one day will be our last day on earth. Like one day is going to be your last day. One day will be my last day. And we don't know when, right? There, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be in 10 years, 20 years. Um, however long God allows us to live, one day will be our last day. And whether he rescues us and, and takes us, we'll talk about the rapture, what that looks like, or we live our life and uh, it's over, right? We, we, we spent it well. Um, but for some, it's going to come sooner than we think. Um, and the whole point of this series is not, to, like I said, not to drive fear, not to get you fearful at all, but actually to give you confidence and hope in the fact that Jesus made some promises to the people that, that follow him, and he's going to help them. And so I would just say let's pay attention, uh, really um, dig in and study, study the Bible, study scriptures for yourself to understand what, what God is speaking to and speaking about so you can feel, have confidence yourself, all right? Um, in Acts 1, 9 through 11, uh, Jesus, he came after he died on the cross, and he was resurrected on the third day. We celebrate Easter, right? So Resurrection Sunday, he goes back, uh, he, he comes back to life. And then it says that he came to the disciples, and he spent 40 days with them, right? Just teaching them and sharing and hanging out with them. So this is the end. The scripture I'm going to show you is the end of the 40 days, where he has now just given them the great command, commandment, the great commission, right? Um, the great commission to say, here now, here's the mission I want you to do with your life. Go in all the world and win as many people as possible for the kingdom of God, right? And it says in Acts 1 that after he said these things, he was taken up. So if you can imagine you're Jesus, now he's, all right, guys, that's all I have to say. And then he just was taken up. So in fact, it says um, before their very eyes and a, cloud, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So he begins to uh, go to heaven. And as he's floating into heaven, they're all looking, but now a cloud is kind of hiding him. And so they were looking intently up into the sky where he was, as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. This would, these would be two angels. All of a sudden, now the disciples are watching Jesus float into the sky. He disappears, and like the cloud hides him. And they're just looking into the sky like, is he still there? Is he gone? And, and these two angels, they, they speak, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Which I'm not sure if that's a rhetorical question or not, because I know the answer to that, right? Well, they're looking because Jesus just floated up. Like, they're saying, why are you looking in the sky? I'm like, well, didn't you just see the sky float up in the air, right? It says in the same, and he goes on and says this, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the angels are saying, hey guys, just one day, 
Jesus is going to return. And it's called the second coming. He's going to come back. In the same way he went in, he's going to come down from heaven. He's going to come and he's going to rescue us. He's going to come back, right? And so essentially Jesus is coming again. And, uh, and, and this took place on the Mount of Olives. So that's where he's going to also come back to. Um, and, and he's saying, it, you won't know the day, right? But you'll, you'll recognize it by the season. There'll be signs. Um, you won't know the exact day or the hour. But there will be some signs. There will be some seasons that will tell you that he's very close. So the whole point of this series is this. One word, okay? I want to give you hope. I want you to have hope in the fact that Jesus has good plans for our lives. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to know what he's doing. And we shouldn't be fearful of it, right? And so hope, there's really two definitions of hope. The first definition is, is that as a wish, right? I hope something would happen. We're just making a wish. Uh, the second definition is actually a stated reality, right? That we have something, there's some kind of foundation that we know a certain action will produce a certain result. And when you, when you perform that action, you know the result's coming. So that gives you a, a confidence. It's a hope that is in, in a reality that we believe and know. And this is, I think, where... where, where where revelations and, and uh, prophecy that God gives us is to create a hope in us, right? Not, not a fear, um, but a hope that we, we know that um, we, can, we can trust God for the future, that he has good things for ourselves, right? You know, for me as, as, um, as, I, as a pastor, there are different seasons that I've had to walk people through um, just in life. Uh, my first funeral was an infant. Um, part of that was really difficult because here's a little baby that, the parents lost this little, little little baby, right? They had just for a few days. Uh, so it was really, really difficult trying to comfort the family and trying to help people just have some, some peace in the middle of a very difficult situation. The other side of that was a very easy funeral because I know where the baby went, right? It's like, man, this little baby is no longer sick. This baby is no longer in pain. Like, he is with the Lord. It's pretty awesome in that sense. So trying to balance that. And so in, in these difficult seasons, right, walking people through different challenges of sickness and, and – and, um, heartbreaking moments where people cause pain and hurt people's lives, right? Um, here's the thing. The earth is going to let us down. And when, when we understand that, um, we don't put our hope in the earth. We don't put our hope in this time. And the reason life is so difficult, I think, for us, especially as Americans, because we have it made really, really well. And we enjoy what we have. And so in the middle of that, sometimes it's almost like we have a little bit of heaven on earth in some ways, right? And so we, we have this tension of we want earth to be perfect, but it's not going to be perfect. Jesus said the moment that sin entered in, it broke everything. It messed up things. And until he comes back and restores things, we, will have a, we live in a broken world. We live where sickness it comes in, in and, it, and it takes some of the people that we love, right? And in the middle of that, sometimes God performs miracles and does amazing things and heals people. And then sometimes the illness takes the person. And we don't always have understanding. But here's the thing. Um, we, won't, we won't have a, an answer for every why here on earth, but one day we will. And... Just so you know, every healing on earth is temporary. Like there's not a single person that's been healed in the history of the world that is still alive today. At some point, their life is over. So even though they got healing at some point, it's only temporary. The, the, the lasting healing will take place when we have a place with God in heaven, right? That is the ultimate healing. That is when we have things restored and fixed. And so this word hope is really important for us as Jesus followers to know that God wants to give us hope that in the, whatever season we're in, we know that he has something for us, waiting for us, in store for us. If we'll follow him, if we'll trust him. And the disciples got this. It took them a while, but eventually they caught on to this. So much to the point they said, you know what? I can't hold this to myself. I have to go tell the rest of the world. And they went out around the world telling people, even people who opposed it, because they said, guys, you have to understand, there is something that I have that you need to have, and I want to share it with you. 
So let's talk about Jesus' return, right? So uh, Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18, he says this. He says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that, that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. So he's referring to Jesus' return, right? And he's saying some of us are going to be left alive. Some of us will be alive. Others will be dead. He says this with a, with a um, oh, those who, those who are alive will, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So notice they don't, don't even call them dead. He's not even referring to them as dead people. Like they're just, they're, they're, they have fallen asleep. It's a, it's a moment that we're, where God's going to raise them again. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. He's going to come down from heaven with a loud command, right? With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will, be rise, will, will rise first. So those, are, those believers, those Christians that, that died before we have, they're going to be raised, raised first. And, it, and it's, in a, it's in the... In a, in a, in a quick moment, right? Um, those are gonna, they're going to rise first. And then he goes on and says this, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Um, and he says, so, And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Key word there is encourage, right? So there's, there's different views about um, the, the end times, about the, the return of Christ, the second coming about the rapture, right? So different Christians hold different views to this, and that's fine. We, 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 we can. Uh, there are some doctrines that are um, they're essential to, that, that require salvation, and that, that if you step outside of that, you are stepping away from what God has for you. There's other doctrines that we just fully can't really say with 100% this is exactly what's going to happen because we're not God, and we have some insight into and some scripture and the ability to see what, God, what scriptures say um, but there'll be some different different views, even maybe in this room, about the second coming, about the rapture, about what's going to take place. Some believe that Jesus is going to rapture the church before the, the tribulation, right? Seven years of judgment, of God's wrath. Others believe it's going to happen in the middle. Others believe it's going to be at the end. There's even some who say it's, we're even in the middle of it now. I don't believe that, but, he's, but, but what Paul is saying is um, use these words of time to encourage one another. So those that say that we're going to be rescued after the tribulation – um, I don't see a lot of encouragement, right? So, guys, you're going to go through seven years of, of hell, and uh, you're most likely going to die. Let's go get it, right? There's not a lot of encouragement in that. But what I think Paul's leading to in, in Scripture is saying is he's going to, he's going to, he's going to take us, this word, um, to, to rapture, right? Um, it's, it's, it's this idea to snatch quickly, to take something quickly. So if there was a house on fire, and I went and grabbed you and pulled you out of the house, that would be to rapture somebody. To, to, um, our positive is the word. To, to, to snatch them quickly to take them away from something that would that's going to happen, and so he's saying this is going to take place. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So we talk about what time it is. We talk about the second coming. We talk about um, the rescue and the rapture of the church. He wants to give us hope, right? He wants to give us um, encouragement to say that that Jesus' return should comfort us, not cause us to be fearful, right? Um, not everything is going to go the way you want it to go, but here's the truth: heaven is better, and just trust Him for it. Let me show you a couple of stats, right? So there's over 300 references in the New Testament towards the, the end times, towards the end of the world, towards um, what's going to take place in the end. So over 300 references just in the New Testament what's going to happen in the end. Um, Jesus, Jesus is trying to prepare us. I believe he's trying to prepare us. He's mentioning these things. Out of the, the 260 chapters in the New Testament, 216 of them say something about the end times, about what's going to take place. Um, and then out of the 23, uh, out of the 27 books, 23 of them mention something about the end. So if, if this is t- taking place just in the New Testament, if you look at the Old Testament, 
it's pretty much there's some similar things there also. About 3% of all scripture is pointing towards the future of what's going to take place. So God is trying to give us some insight into what's going to happen to prepare us, to, to help us have confidence to know that one day this world is going to end, and one day our lives will be over, and one day, someday, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take his church uh, to heaven um, for the celebration, for the wedding celebration, right? He's going to, he's going to rescue. And so um, Jesus is trying to prepare us, even his disciples. He's talking to them. You know, the Pharisees are asking questions, and his, his disciples ask questions. And he's pointing towards the future of saying, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead of you and prepare a place for you. Um, in, my, in my father's house, there'll be many rooms, right? Come, and I'll come back, and I'll get you. He's, he's encouraging them and trying to prepare them for the future. Another, another uh, passage that, that Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, it says this, Now, brothers and sisters, about these times and dates, we do not need to write to you. So Paul is saying the same thing, like, we don't know what's going to take place, so um, we're not going to actually concern ourselves with the times, right, and the dates. But here, let me, let me give you some, some insight. For you know very well that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, uh, it's always a day, right? Um, he will come, it will come like a thief in the night. So the day of the Lord, when he returns, it's going to be surprising, right? Another, another uh, teaching Jesus says, is he says, if you knew a thief was going to come to your house, you'd be prepared for it, right? Um, but he goes on and says, while people are saying peace and safety, and these people are those that aren't believers, right? These would be people just in the world that don't believe in Christ, don't believe in God. They're going to be saying peace and safety, don't worry, nothing's, nothing's bad going to happen, calm down, right? Um, everything you believe is, is crazy, whatever they're saying, just peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. You ever had a baby, ladies in here, this room, you've had a baby, that it comes pretty quickly, right? You don't know when it's going to, you're kind of, know it's about to come, but then all of a sudden it's like, ooh, okay, that's a contraction, right? That's what he says. It's going to come suddenly like a, like a lady in, in, in uh, that's it, it's going into um, uh, delivery, right? And, so he said, and they will not escape. So these people that say peace and safety, no worries, right, which life goes on as normal, it's going to come suddenly to them, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters... You are not in darkness. God's not leaving us in the dark. Paul is saying God doesn't leave us in the dark. He wants us to be prepared. He wants us to be ready so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. So we should be prepared. He's saying, as Jesus followers, we should be living in such a way that when he comes back, we're ready. We're living in such a way that we are ready for his return, right? He's preparing us. We're not shocked, but we're prepared. We're not in the dark like the world is, but we are in the light. We understand that God has something for us. Listen to what Jesus said about the, the last days, right, and when his return. He says in Luke 17, he said, Jesus said to his followers, The time will come when you will wish that you could see the Son of Man for one day, but you will not be able to. They will say to you, He is here or He is there, but do not follow them. So there's going to be a lot of false teachers, a lot of people pointing to where they think people should go in, right? He's saying just don't follow them. When the Son of Man comes, he'll be as lightning that shines from one part of the sky to the other. So lightning's pretty fast, right? It's like a... It's like a split second. It's just, it, it goes quickly, right? Um, so that, that day is going to come. It's going to be very quick. But before that, he must suffer many things. And he says, but before I come back, guys, just know I'm going to die on the cross, right? These, and the people of this day will have nothing to do with him. Um, as, it is written, as it was in the time of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes back. We're going to talk a little more about this during this series, what, what the time of Noah really means, right? And, and, this, and the, what we can learn from the lesson from Noah. But essentially... Uh, when when Noah in Noah's day, there was a day that God shut the door of the ark, right, and judgment came to the earth to the earth through rain and, and, a, and a flood, right. And it says that during that day, people ate and they drank, they married and they were given in marriage. There was there was no cares. It was it was they were, they were just living life without any concerns about anything 
that, that God was saying. They did these things until the day Noah went into the large boat. Then the flood came, and it killed all the people of the earth. It was the same, and then it was the same as the time of Lot. People ate and drank. They bought and sold. Uh, they planted and they built. But the day Lot left the city of Sodom, fire and sulfur came down from heaven like a rain. So both of these stories Jesus is referring to when he was returned is going to be kind of like Noah and kind of like Lot. So the story of Noah shows uh, that, that Noah is preparing for the judgment that was coming, right? And, and Jesus has pointed to us as, as Jesus followers, we should be preparing for the day that Jesus returns. There will be judgment on the earth. There will be wrath that will come. So they prepare for his return. And then like Lot, you know, judgment didn't come until Lot was taken out of the city. In the same way, our blessed hope, like the Jesus' return, second coming, is he's going to rescue us from the judgment that is coming, just like he rescued Lot. And Jesus is pointing to these two examples of really what's going to be like in the end when he returns. That when we are rescued, when the people are taken out of, out of the earth, then the judgment will come. And he says, in that day, um, in that day, oh, and it killed all the people of Sodom, it the same when the Son of Man comes again. In that day, the man who is on the top of the house should not come down and take his things out of the house. And in the same way, the man who is in the field should not go back to his house. Remember Lot's wife. She's saying, live in such a way that you're ready, right? You're not, you're not second-guessing. You're not having to, no, he's coming now. I have to go prepare. No, you're prepared. And then Jesus tells parables of how we should be prepared, right? There were some foolish virgins, and there were some wise virgins, and they were prepared for the wedding, right? And the other ones that weren't, they got left. She's saying, we need, to, we need to do this. He who wants to keep his life will have, have it taken away from him. He, he who is focused on earth, you're going to lose by, by focusing on the wrong thing, right? But he who loses his life will have it given back to him. And Jesus keeps saying these, these sayings over and over, saying, don't, don't let earth be the final goal for your life, but, but look for something larger than that. He goes on and says, I tell you, on that night there will be two men in the same bed. One of them will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be will grinding grain together. One of them will be taken, the other one left. Two men will be working on a field. One will be taken, the other one left. So as we come, as we look at Jesus' teaching, he's saying when the rapture happens, there'll be two. One will be taken, one will be left. Right? He said, be be the live in such a way that you're the one ready to be taken, that you don't miss his return, you don't miss his second coming. So here's what I would say: when people ask, you know, is it is it the end? What do we do? Well. Um, how do we live if, if, if the end is coming soon, right? How do we live and how do we prepare for this? Well, here's, here's one way I would say. You plan as if Jesus is not returning for 100 years, right? But you live as though Jesus is returning tomorrow or today. You live in such a way that you're ready for him if he came today, this hour, tonight. That you're ready in such a, in a way, right? You're saying, I, I'm living in such a way that, I would be, that, that God would be pleased. So you vote and you, and you save and you give and you're generous with your life, Right? Why? Because you will say, if it's going to, the end's coming anyways, why would we vote to make things better if it's going to get worse anyways? Because one day you'll stand before God, and you want to be able to have confidence in God, I did the absolute best I could with what you've given me. I didn't just sit on my hands. Jesus tells a lot of parables of people that did that. They just kind of kicked back and took it easy, didn't care about others. They missed the point of it all. He said, don't be those kind of people. Be people who are proactive, who are living their life in such a way to help as many people know Christ. And, and the disciples caught it. And they began to live their life saying, I want, to, I want to live that way. So you plan, as though he's not returned for 100 years, but live as he's returning today. In the 70s, there was this big move of God called the Jesus Movement. And thousands upon thousands of people came to Christ. And one of the main teachings they taught was the second, the, the second coming of Jesus. 
which they should. That's, that's doctrine. But what happened is, is they, they didn't plan as, as he wasn't coming for 100 years. They, they, they lived as if he was, they planned as if he was coming tomorrow. And so they did is they, they dropped out of their school. They, they um, kind of got out of the, out of the social um, sec, sec, sectors. Um, and there was a lot of leaders who could have been really good politicians and good teachers and good um, lawyers and all that, that, that just kind of just said, hey, we're going to just wait for the return of God. And they kind of stepped away and they just kind of lived their life in, in some communities. And, and I really believe they, they missed opportunities to have influence in our world because they stepped away. I don't be that for us, our generation. Let's do the best we can with what we have. It might be soon. I, I believe it's soon. Let's live in such a way, though, we don't, we don't just neglect our responsibilities, neglect the opportunities that are in front of us, but that we, we live in such a way. See, growing up, I heard all the time, Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again, Jesus is coming again. And some people say it's like, it happened at this point, right? Then Y2K is coming. It has to be the end of the world. Then the Mayan calendars comes, and it's like, this is the end of the world, right? And you hear it over and over and over that you kind of get hard to, like, that's what they said back then. I really don't think it's going to happen. So you, you live in a way that, okay, it's possible. He might not come back for a long time. But I'm going to be living in, a, in such a way that I'm ready for him to come. I plan. I save. I do all the responsible things as a good steward, right? But I'm prepared so that when he comes back. And really, that's, I think that's the point of Jesus' teaching of his disciples and Paul and, and Peter and even the Old Testament, pointing to the future events that are going to take place. Like when you see these things, get ready because your redemption is close, right? Your time is going to be close, and he's going to come back with a trumpet sound in a twinkling, in a flash, in a moment, right? That, that flash, that moment, is the, the word is where we get the word Adam from. It is, it is like the shortest time that you can possibly imagine, right? It's just a, a millionth of a second. That's how quick these things will happen. You know, people talk about the rapture, like, well, what happens if I'm showering, right, when the rapture comes? Well, I sure hope you're working out because everybody's going to see you. No. It's going to happen so fast, you're going to be changed, right? It's, it's just, we don't even comprehend and understand, I think, time sometimes. It's just going to be done, and God is going is to be amazing. I, it, it's going to be amazing. But the flip side of that is there's a lot of people that won't be prepared, won't be ready. Um, and, and, and like the day of Noah... You know, they mocked and they teased him. But the moment the rain started coming, they were like, whoa, that guy was the smartest guy in the room, right? In the world, actually. Like, he actually listened. And, our, and people we know, neighbors, coworkers, families, enemies, whoever, they might be mocking now, but one day they're going to say, man, I wish I, wish I would know. I wish somebody told me. There's good news. God will give opportunities for those that go through tribulation to still have opportunity. This going to be really difficult. Um, it'll be a really difficult season. So this series, we'll talk about that. What is that going to look like? But today, the main point is this, all right? My challenge is do whatever it takes to be ready. Do whatever it takes. Go all in. That might mean you have to cut out some things in your life that just keep you away from God's best. That might mean you have to add some things to your life, specifically people that are healthier, that are going to help you to stay strong and be focused. Right? That means you have to maybe start some routines that, that remind you about the seriousness of our life. You know, I, I have um, um, a friend, a pastor friend, who, inve- who invested in, in Apple stock in uh, it was like the early 2000s. Somebody said, hey, you should, you should invest in this stock. It's going to be really good. So he got in, and uh, his stock like tripled like, almost overnight. It was pretty quick, right? And he, he got scared and thought, man, if I keep it in there, I might go back down and I lose all this, this, this money. And so he took his money out. And then we know the story. After a few times, it's like it tripled and tripled and quadrupled. And if he left it in, he would have been like a multimillionaire right now. But he pulled it out because he was afraid of that, right? I hear so many, so many people saying, if only I would invest in that time. If only I would have taken advantage of that moment. Don't be that person. Take advantage of the moment now. It is now, right? Don't, don't keep overspending. Don't live in such a way that you're, 
you're out leveraged, right? That you're with your time, with your resources. But live in such a way that you've managed your life to say, I'm all in. I'm cutting out things that, that distract me. I'm, I'm putting things in my life that are going to remind me about the importance of this life that I'm in. And then use your life to help as many people as possible. That's what the Grove is about. I mean, this is why we started the church. 95, 96% of our city will not be in a church on a Sunday. Right now, with COVID, it's probably even higher than that. And, and the truth is, most of those people will never step, step foot in our church. So what do we do? We have to go to them. We have to leverage our relationships. Right? So I would even say this, during this election season, be careful. Don't, don't waste your influence unnecessarily. Right? Just because you have an opinion, just because you want to state something. No, no. Leverage your relationships to help people know grace and love. And those that don't agree with you, let them, let, let them have their own opinion. Let them have, do what they want to do. Let them vote the way they want to vote. Just love them through it, right? And if we do that, we'll actually set ourselves up to be an example to the world. One of the things I don't see a lot, lot happening during election seasons is Christians giving a good example, right? We need to be more loving and to those that don't agree with us and don't repeat what they do to us, right? That we just say, man, I'm going to love you. You're free to have your opinion. You're free to do what you want. And that's the gift of free will. God gave us all. You can live however you want to live, and part of even this series we'll talk about is immorality as it goes up. That is an indication um, that, that the end is close, because there's a moment just like Lot that that city was so corrupt, right? When when um, God brought judgment to, to Noah's world, to, to Noah's time, they were they were evil people that were doing evil things, and destruction had to come to, to stop that, right? To to cut out things that weren't healthy and good. And the same thing is true for ours. There'll be a tipping point where the world is so bad, God has to step in and intervene. I look at some of the things that take place around the world, and in the U.S., we're, we're blessed for the most part because we don't have as much of that, but there's some countries, people get slaughtered on a daily basis because of what they believe or don't believe. There's, there's the sex trafficking is, is skyrocketing, right, of kids that are being taken into, into slavery as, as sex slaves. That is horrible. We should do our part to rescue, and we should do our part to, do our, to, to stop. But at some point, there's going to be a tipping point where God says, that's enough. Like, you guys are so immoral and so corrupt and so evil, if I don't step in now, everything is going to be wiped out. Everything is going to be destroyed. You're going to ruin everything. And his, his, it's because of grace. And Peter says, God is being patient so that more people can know him. So as a church, our heart, our drive is saying, can we help those? Our whole strategy on Sundays is saying, can we help those that don't know God? Let's help them to know God. All right, so... Do whatever it takes to, to be ready to go all in. Go all in. Um, introduce things. Cut out things. Cut out relationships that, you, that are all good. Cut out habits that are not good. And then begin introducing. God, help me to, to live in such a way that I am ready for you. I believe that we could be like the disciples in their time. That we can make an impact in our world if we'll use our time wisely. Our time is limited. Let's join together and say, let's, let's leverage what we have to be able to help as many people is possible, not miss God's second coming, not miss what he has for us, even in the middle of that. So plan and live responsibly. He's not coming for 100 years, but live in such a way that you're prepared. If he comes back today, you're ready to go. You're ready to celebrate. All right? Um, some of you in this room, maybe you're the place where, as I talk, um, I think the people that might have a little more fear is those that won't be ready. They're like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I'm just living my own life. And um, if he came back, I wouldn't go. Like, if I asked you the question, if he came back tonight, would you be a part of that? And you'd be like, I don't know. Well, if, I don't know is probably a no, honestly. Because that means you're, you're not living in a way that would, that's pleasing God, living in a way that, is, that, that says you're prepared for his return. So now, now, please don't misunderstand me. It is not our works that save us. 
We don't do things so we earn God's salvation. It's grace and only grace. But our works prove that we're actually following him, right? We, uh, what we do with our life actually shows that we're actually wanting to, to, to follow his lead. And he invites us into that. So maybe you're here today. Let me, let me share Romans 10.9. Romans 10.9 says this. So if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So Paul's saying you have to make the decision that Jesus is Lord of everything. And you're, you're, he's God and you're not. He's in control and you submit to his will. You let him lead and you follow. Being a Jesus follower means he, he leads, we follow. He's given an example, we live it out. Is it easy? No, it's, it can be very challenging on a daily basis. But it's so rewarding because it produces in us the character that God is looking for. It produces in us the ability to help others on this journey as well. Do me a favor, close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. One day Jesus will return. My heart is that we will all be prepared and all be ready for that day. It'll be a great day. My heart and my, my prayer is that you will be ready for that also. So today, if you're here and um, maybe in this room, that you, you would say, I'm not ready. Um, I'm not living in such a way that pleases God. I'm not living in a way that shows or proves that I'm, I'm prepared. Maybe I'm a little distracted. Maybe even it's not that you're doing anything bad, but you're just preoccupied with things of this world. And today you need to just say, God, help me to make you a priority. Help me to make your your will in my life a priority. Today I'm not going to lead you into prayer, but in your own words, would you just tell God, God, forgive me. I'm sorry for being distracted. I'm sorry for letting things of this world become more important than things of things of you, the things of the kingdom of heaven. God, today we want our lives to count. Someday soon will be the last day for some of us. Someday soon will be the last day for all of us. Whenever that comes, God, we want to be prepared and ready. So we're caught up to meet those who are before us that are dead in the sky with you. And as you, rest, as you rapture and rescue your church, Father God, from becoming wrath, that we would be prepared and excited for that, looking forward to it. Help us to live in such a way that pleases you, that helps others, God, that we'd be prepared, that we would not be fearful or scared, we would not be idle, but we would be proactive in our approach and our work. So today, Father God, we just ask that you search our hearts. Show us things in us that need to be changed. Show us perspectives that get us off track. Give us a passion, Father God, to help others know you. Give us the ability and resources and skills and the gifts, Father God, to be in this community, in this body, to be able to make a difference in our city and our world. We love you, God. We bless you.